And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And the Reverend Kevin Sherritt from Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Tennessee, on the phone with us. Thanks for having me, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here. Um, The question's been raised this week uh, regarding sacraments. And that big word, sometimes it may even be a scary word to some people, but uh, the more that we understand it, the more we realize it's a precious word. So um, that's on the table here today to discuss sacraments. And to get us started, um, Kevin, maybe I'll ask you, um, what is a sacrament? Well, our understanding of sacraments, both from the ancient church, but as reformed at the Protestant Reformation, and, and we hold them to be signs and seals, not just signs, but also confirming seals of God's gracious covenant. They're instituted to, to set forth or to represent Christ and all of his, his benefits, and they have a number of other functions. They distinguish us from the world, and they engage us to be Christ and to serve him. But basically, they're holy signs and seals, visible signs and seals of God's gracious covenant with us in Christ. Mm-hmm. Is the word sacrament used in the Bible? Um, well, no, it's not, but the thing is there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just as much as we may not see the word Trinity in the Bible, um, that is fully explained um, for us to believe on and to um, I- embrace. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, why do we need these sacraments? What do we learn from the scriptures that would lead us to understand better? Why, why do we need these when you're talking about sacraments, uh, as Kevin pointed out, they're signs and seals of God's covenant with us. And part of the reason we need them is, is our own weakness to have a, a sign and, and a seal and a reminder of what God has done and, and the relationship we have and, and God as, as covenant people with him. And so I think he has given them to us so that we have these signs. I know... Very often they're used for our own uh, strengthening. Um, They're means of which God gives us grace. And because uh, he works in them in a a mysterious way, we do grow by them and and are strengthened by them. I know Luther often used to say, you know, when he had problems, he said, I I remember my baptism. Mm. And basically what he was saying is, I remember that God has is in covenant relationship with me, that God uh, has saved me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. Kevin, um, going back, kind of looking at a history here, from a historical point of view, um, were there sacraments in, in the Old Testament? Um, yes, there were. There were signs and seals of the covenant that God made with Abraham and then uh, confirmed and enlarged with Moses and then you know, later with David and in other dimensions to it, but they were they generally agreed upon to be, you know, the, the Passover meal was a, a memorial meal. And then, uh, of course, circumcision is, is in one sense the sacrament of the Old Covenant, whereby God mm-hmm. gave a physical sign and seal to the seed of Abraham that they were mm-hmm. his um, chosen people. So, yes, God has, in both covenants, given signs and seals. And... and you know, going back to the previous question, Dan, part of the reason for this, another part of it, there's many facets to this, but one is there's a value here in remembering that God saves us by stuff, you know, 
by physical means. We often, I think, feel strange about the sacraments because we think, why do we need these physical acts of, mm-hmm. you know, in the New Covenant, baptism and the Lord's Supper. But I think we lose sight of the incarnational faith, you know, nature of the faith that God has become flesh in Jesus Christ to save us and always saves us by physical means. If you've heard the gospel preached to you, well, then God has used a flesh and blood human being and and words and sound waves and ears and other things to redeem you. He's always working through concrete physical matter. And so in one sense, the sacraments remind us that we're redeemed as concrete embodied people by concrete embodied means that are grounded in the concrete embodied incarnation of the Son of God in our flesh. Hmm. That's an excellent point, Kevin, and, and especially it's when, of course, God did uh, anticipate our, our postmodern society that tends to diminish things that are concrete and historical and basically just goes with the, you know, what you feel in a, a kind of a spiritual, ethereal, if you will, or maybe even a platonic kind of thing, and, and yet here Christ didn't save us that way. He saved us by a concrete <laughs> God who became flesh, who died really on a cross, and, and he's yeah. given us these concrete means of grace here. Yeah, well. I, um, I'm laughing a little bit because we just came through, and we're continuing, uh, talking with folks that have been confused and hurt by Harold Camping and Campingism. And everything is spiritualized in that cult system. And even the death of Jesus Christ is spiritualized so that Camping will say, oh, he didn't really die on the cross for our sins 2,000 years ago. That was a mere demonstration. And I'll tell you, I've become really sensitive to this, over-spiritualizing things and, and denying the flesh and blood and denying actual things happening. Yeah, and therein the importance of the sacraments. I mean, think of the enormity of the, the stress that Jesus places in the Gospels on the Lord's Supper when at the very end of his life he gives us this rite of bread and wine and says, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Summing up his historical ministry. I, I was also thinking, and, and I haven't really studied this, but I, I, I heard some allusion to a new book that's out. Rob Bell, from what I understand, he has gone out and essentially attacked the Old Testament sacrificial system. And, of course, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was a type, and it was a, a precursor to Christ's death on the cross, mm-hmm. and, and therefore was very important if you will, sign and seal of the sacrifice Christ would make in reality later for us. Yeah. Well, hold that thought there. We're up against a break all of a sudden here, I just realized. You're listening to Redeemer Broadcasting, A Plain Answer. Today we're talking about the subject of sacraments. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. 
Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. On the phone is the Reverend Kevin Sherritt. Today we're talking about sacraments. And we uh, covered a little bit what is a sacrament and why we need them. Were they in the Old Testament? And they were. Um, What are specifically now the sacraments of the New Covenant? Kevin? Well, we hold that there are two and only two sacraments of the New Covenant, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And here, of course, uh, we differ with uh, the the Roman Catholic tradition in that they had an additional five rites as sacraments. And um, the reason the Reformation restricted the sacraments to those two is because in, in baptism and in the Supper, the whole of Christ's redemptive work Christ himself is given to us. Marriage certainly has uh, uh, what we might call sacramental dimensions. It images something of the relationship to Christ and his bride, but it doesn't set forth the right of marriage per se, his death and resurrection. Uh, Same thing with ordination or last rites. These things are certainly things that are concrete and physical, and in that sense we might say they're sacramental, uh, through which God works. But the baptism and the supper have a unique kind of fullness to them, whereby the whole covenant that God has made with us in Jesus Christ, and in fact, Jesus Christ himself, is given to us in those two rites. On top of that, too, if if you look at those two sacraments, they were instituted by Christ. He, He made it plain that we should go and baptize people in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. And also in the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, he said, you know, this do in remembrance of me. He instituted that, that that would be something that would be continued to be done. And we see that in the early church, especially when we look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, um, that these were instituted by Christ. Christ, yeah, marriage is great, but Christ didn't institute marriage. He didn't institute many of these other things as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now, um... I uh, I just want to relate something personal here. I hope this isn't out of place. But um, 
regarding the Lord's Supper. Now, we'll get to talking about both of these, baptism and the Lord's Supper. But when I partake of the Lord's Supper, it is a tremendous blessing to me. And I um, am aware of the presence of Christ at the meal. Um, And I want to talk about that once we get to it. But um, to me, this is more than just a mere memorial. And, fellas, I'd I'd like you to keep that in the back of your minds as we get to that. Mm. I just wanted to share that right up front and say, you know, that's my bias coming into this. (laughs) And um, we're not Roman Catholic. Uh, You know, we have many Roman Catholic listeners, certainly, to this station, and we consider them our friends. Um, But um, they know we're not Roman Catholic, but we're not out to bash them. However, we do see that, or I do see, that Christ is really there. Um, is it okay, if, gentlemen, if we jumped to the Lord's Supper and talked about that a little bit? It's fine with me. You know, that's a very important thing. It's interesting the way you talk about it, and we'll get to this a little later in, in terms of frequency, too. Yeah. We, the Roman Catholics, uh, you know, in the Mass, have the Lord's Supper every week, mm-hmm. or more than that. When you jump to the Protestants, I'm starting to think any more these days... The vast majority of Protestant churches have almost lost the Lord's Supper. I'm not sure when yes. when it is given with a lot of them. And here's my problem with that. It's not just... There was a time in history where the Lord's Supper in the Protestant churches was done only once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. But it was made a very special event. It was a huge event, and in fact, hmm. the Second Great Awakening came out of one such event like that, uh, because it had been separated and made so special. That I don't think is the case now. Uh, the The case today is in many Protestant churches, it's just ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I, I know we jumped over baptism, and uh, that's getting it out of order, actually. But I just couldn't help but to say that these things are extremely meaningful to people, and not just me. I think to any um, mm-hmm. spirit-filled Christian, they realize, wow, these two sacraments are of immense importance, and maybe some teaching is needed. I, Mark, I think that comes out here, that um, if we just have a so-so attitude regarding the sacraments, that maybe we're missing something. Well, yeah, I, obviously I think you're right, Dan. Um in one sense, they cover the whole of the Christian faith. Um, they've been called the gospel in you know, mm-hmm. liquid or edible form. Mm-hmm. Baptism is the sacrament of our once-for-all union uh, in Christ's death and resurrection, which is why baptism is, is not to be repeated. But yet the supper is the sacrament of our continual uh, mm-hmm. nourishment and refreshment in Christ. And so in one sense, baptism and the supper are... Um, necessary to the whole uh, scope of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. That's why so many times in the New Testament, uh, you know, as Mark alluded to with Luther, you know, recalling his baptism, Paul will call the church back to their baptism. He'll, he'll say to the, the Romans, you know, you can't continue in sin. Don't you know that as many as you are in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Or he'll tell the Corinthians, you know, that in, in the context of their division, that they weren't baptized into Paul. Mm-hmm. Or he'll tell the Galatians that, you know, uh, you know, you were all baptized into Christ Jesus, and therefore you're one. So he, as an apostle instructing the church, often says to the Christian community, hey, 
you were baptized, you were washed. You, yes. you, can't, you can't live this way. So he doesn't think that baptism is just a, a nifty little thing that happened back you know, in the earlier part of your Christian experience, and therefore is not relevant. In a sense, yeah. baptism is uh, relevant across the whole scope of your Christian life. You know, um, you've got me thinking about something, and, and also it pertains to a uh, Facebook posting, because we said that we'd be uh, working on this in the studio today, and one of our uh, friends uh, posted a question um, for us, and that was regarding the efficacy of these sacraments. And I mentioned before, are they mere memorial, or is something actually being accomplished? Uh, I I know we're treading on what some would perceive as dangerous ground, but uh, we only want to tread on biblical ground. Kevin, can you help us there? Uh, We've mentioned both the Lord's Supper and baptism. Is there an efficacy involved in these two sacraments? Well, um, I think Mark can help out here very well. Uh, what I'd say is yes, um, obviously there is, because uh, Paul thinks so when he continues to appeal to baptism. He doesn't treat baptism as just, a, again, just an addendum or something. And, and the Reformed tradition has always held, there's been some difference, of course, between Lutherans and Presbyterians and Anglicans on these things, but they've always held that baptism, uh, when received by faith, that's a key caveat for worthy receivers, what we would say, and the supper as well, really communicates the grace that's exhibited in the sacrament. That is, when baptism is received by faith, it unites you to Christ's death and his resurrection. When the supper is received by faith, uh, you commune with, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah, right. So um, there is an efficacy, and, and that matches actually my feelings that I shared before, that um, Christ truly is at the supper ministering his grace to me. I know personally it's definitely efficacious in my own life, increasing my faith. Um, God that, is communicating his grace into my life. It, that's, that's, you know, a key important thing to look at sacraments. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, they're viewed as just ordinances that not viewed as sacraments. Right. In that sense, baptism and the Lord's Supper are looked at very much as focusing on the person who is receiving to the point where God is almost excluded. Oh, that's a good point. You have an idea that, you know, baptism is my testimony that I believe in Jesus Christ and the Lord's Supper is my remembering what he did. And it almost leaves out God doing anything in either of them. Mm-hmm. And the and the point and why they are so efficacious is not it's not just dependent on my testimony and belief. Faith always is mixed with it, as Kevin says. Faith is an important part, but the emphasis isn't just on my faith and on my remembering, but it's on what God is doing. And in fact, He is doing something. He is giving us grace there. Then when mixed with faith, we receive those benefits. And that's why it's sometimes so hard to describe, for example, with the Lord's Supper, how efficacious it is. Mm-hmm. It's because something's going on there that we can't, we can't point to. We can't, because God is doing it. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is doing it. Uh, Calvin used to talk about us being elevated to heaven. That's right. And... 
You know, how, how do you describe that? And it, didn't he use the words of, that we're lifted up into the heavenlies by the Spirit of Christ, right. and uh, we partake in a spiritual way of the body and blood of Christ? Y- yes, absolutely. I think that's a perfect explanation. Yeah. But help me here, Mark, you also thoroughly understand the Lutheran position, which is slightly different than the Reformed position. Help us understand how a Lutheran might think about the Lord's Supper. Well, the Lutheran would think of the Lord's Supper very similar to the Reformed. Now, I know there's going to be some Lutherans who might say, oh, it's a huge difference. Well, mm-hmm. would the Lutherans believe not that we're elevated to heaven, but we actually do participate with the body and blood of Christ, actually receive the body and blood of Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine. In other words, there is a a very special fellowship with Christ. And, of course, the Lutheran position is that Christ's body and blood are ubiquitous. In in other words, that means that they can be everywhere Hmm. at the same time. That's the difference between the Reform. The Reform says Christ's body and blood are in heaven. His spirit Mm -hmm. is everywhere, obviously. Um, but his his um, okay. uh, body is is in heaven. Now, I hope I'm not going down a rabbit trail, but I think the listeners will appreciate that. Contrast that Protestant uh, formulation, whether Reformed or Lutheran, with the Roman Catholic. And again, we're not trying to bash Roman Catholic here at all, but there is a difference. How do the Roman Catholics uh, see it? Well, I, I think what's important here for for this discussion is to note that both Mark and I and both uh, Lutheran and Reformed traditions um, take a position that says in the Supper we really receive uh, the body and blood. We communicate with the mm-hmm. body and blood of Jesus right. Christ. Calvin often says things like, uh, you know, when Jesus holds out in his hand the pledge of his body and blood to us, he's not tricking us. He's not playing with us. He gives us. I think that's the whole point of a mm. sacrament is that there's a relationship, yeah. a real one, between the sign and the thing signified. It's mm-hmm. not just a mental relationship or, or a, mm. a sort of a interior relationship to my own piety. There's a real relationship to that between that bread and the body of Christ mm-hmm. and that wine in the body of Christ. That's why Jesus can say, "This is my my body." And so we hold that this is not a mere memorial. That this is not just a time of reflection. It is a memorial course, but it is not only a memorial. Uh, the scriptures make it plain that we communicate with the body and blood of, of Christ here. And maybe I'll let Mark uh, distinguish that from what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. Uh, yeah. there, there are a few things in the Roman Catholic Church that are different here. And, and first off, the Roman Catholic Church ties Christ's body and blood to the elements in communion in a way that the Reformed or the Lutheran do not. And it's called transubstantiation. In other words, they say when the priest blesses the bread and the wine, they actually become the body and blood of Christ and no longer remain bread and wine. Hmm. Now, that's one element of it. The other element of it, though, is in the Mass, they actually, the theology there is is that Christ is being sacrificed again. Hmm. Um, and that's that's one of the areas where I have a little bit stronger <laughs> disagreement with them because I believe Hebrews is very clear in, in all of Scripture that Christ set, was sacrificed once for all. He's not sacrificed again. Mm-hmm. There is another element there, too, and that one 
almost separates a faith, and I say almost, I don't want to to be so dogmatic there, but it's it's a term called ex opere operato. In other words, as long as you do the act, the efficacy of that act will be there mm-hmm. whether you have faith or not. Um, now, gentlemen, I just looked at the clock, and I realize we're running out of time really fast. Um, we may need to continue this discussion in a future a plain answer, but um, could we summarize where we are right now? I think the key thing, Dan, for this discussion with our listeners is to perhaps not get so tangled up in the various historical positions, but to remember that that God acts and works by His Spirit in and through the sacraments. I think that mm. needs to be recovered out in the evangelical world. Yeah. And that is the historic position of the Church in, in all of its major branches, Protestant and Catholic, that the sacraments are not mere memorials, they are not simply pledges of our own, own faith, uh, that they are, are signs and seals of the covenant, and that the living God communicates Christ and His benefits through the covenant. And you can you can hash that out in various ways, and those technical difficulties or, or differences of opinion between Lutherans, Reformed, and Roman Catholics over this, but they all agree, um, in a sense, against much of the modern church, mm-hmm. that the sacraments communicate Christ and his benefits to us. Yeah, that's yeah. helpful. I, that's the real takeaway here today, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I would just second that. That is, uh, that is so important. We have become so, in the evangelical church, uh, so self-sufficient Yes, that we act like uh, our relationship with God is totally dependent on what I do Mm. And when we come to the sacraments, we realize that it's actually what God is doing. (laughs) That's so true. Gentlemen, that's a beautiful summary. Thank you very much. This has been A Plain Answer right here on Redeemer Broadcasting. If you have any questions about today's discussion, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And if you want to ask one of these fine pastors your question in particular, just let us know in your note and we'll... Pass that on to whichever pastor you would like to ask the question of. Today we've had with us the Reverend Mark Diedrich and the Reverend Kevin Sherritt. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please tune our way next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. What is a sacrament? It is a holy ordinance given by Christ the